The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One man, one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. If you're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. When Doppler radar is as important as zone blitzes, a big return for Kentucky and a potential return on the sideline. Bronco Mendenhall will join the podcast a little bit later on. This is the College Game Day podcast for Wednesday. September 28th, Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. We are on our way eventually, Pete, weather permitting, uh, to Clemson for North Carolina State and Clemson. So far, as we speak here on the podcast, going on as scheduled. There are five games matching ranked opponents this weekend. Few bigger than that one between the Tigers and the Wolfpack. And Pete, it's reminiscent of a time when we went to Clemson with College Game Day in 2015 the famous BYOG game against Notre Dame. Bring your own guts. Hurricane Joaquin was wreaking havoc. The governor, Nikki Haley, at the time, told fans to stay home unless they had to attend. Emperor Dabo did not agree. An emperor outranks governor during football season. So there was not an empty seat in Death Valley. They ended up making the playoff. That was sort of a coming-of-age moment for Clemson. And I, I think that We might have similar atmosphere in terms of Saturday night and maybe an opportunity for North Carolina State uh, to come of age if they could go in there and and pull the upset against the Tigers. I I need some advice, Reese, before we dive in on the game on how to do a three-hour outdoor television show in a monsoon because I am ready to learn. Okay, here's the thing. The first thing you need to do is get some good rainproof, waterproof shoes. Now, if you want to go bean boots being a New Englander, I think that's acceptable this weekend. I might even break down. I've never done this before, but it depends on how much rain we get Saturday morning. I might go non-suit pants and and go dark jeans, but it's going to have to be really bad for me to break down and do that. But I definitely will be, you go waterproof shoes, if you want to go to an outdoors place, maybe Bronco Mendenhall can rep- mm, recommend one. Here we and go. Get waterproof okay. socks. The keeping the feet dry. That mm-hmm. that's of paramount importance. Everything else can be done. And don't go poncho, man. Go go out. <laughs> go out by yourself. Buy yourself a nice rain jacket and just get it over with. Since you actually sleep in suit pants, that's a big step yeah. for you to not yeah, wear them on the show, step. even though nobody sees them. <laughs> well, they do sometimes when you oh, stand up. You stand up. No, that's yeah, fair. you stand you up from do. time to time. Yeah, when, when Smokey starts wreaking havoc on the set like last week, uh, sometimes it requires <laughs> some, uh, some some standing up. So, yes, I was, uh, I was told some advice that included don't wear shoes you ever want to wear again. And uh, I was told by someone in programming, oh, well, I mean, a, a water show makes great TV. I was like, yeah, unless you have to be part of part of making it. <laughs> well, no, you know what? We had guys last time we were at Clemson in uh, in the path of the aftermath of a hurricane. We had guys diving into mud pits, and it certainly did make for good TV. Now, we want everybody to be safe, and, and obviously, we won't know the circumstances of what the weather is like until Saturday morning. As I look at the forecast now, uh, it's going to be rainy. There's going to be a little wind, but the last forecast I saw on weather.com. Now I'm no Jim Cantori, who, by the way, made an appearance on that show in 2015, celebrity guest picker, but, um, but, you know, it looks as if it might, you know, it's going to be messy, but you know, not really, not really that bad. Did you see in North Carolina state's notes that they actually have their record and the Wolfpack's outcome in Hurricane or tropical storm <laughs> impacted games. No, I don't I know what Notre that Dame means. Game but a couple of years ago, oh, remember that Notre Dame? Oh, that's yeah. a slog. Oh, yeah, oh. I'm just hoping McAfee finally breaks out of his shell and uh, goes and does some mud diving for us after uh, after the show on Saturday. I, I would think there's a decent chance of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would think or so. Dear, I, would not think, I wouldn't bet against dear. that. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against that on the latest FanDuel odds. Um, if, uh, <laughs> if if that was an option, if there was a if there was a nearby mud pit, I would think uh, I would think there would be some temptation. 
you know, we'll talk to Bronco Mendenhall about, about that game. We're going to break that one down a little bit more extensively. There's another game, another top 15 matchup in Oxford that follows college game day on Saturday. Kentucky and Ole Miss. Now, two undefeated teams. Ole Miss is finally playing a conference game. They haven't. We wonder about Zach Evans, who left the game against Tulsa. But, you know, they've been able to run the ball much more effectively than they've passed it. Kentucky, on the other hand, uh, has not been able to run it at all. And now Chris Rodriguez comes back for the Wildcats. And their offensive coordinator, Rich Garangelo, is, is hoping that that also helps the passing game a little bit because Will Levis has made big plays, but he's gotten sacked a lot. Ole Miss gets a lot of pressure. I mean, there are a lot of factors at play that could sort of point uh, point the direction for the season for both the Wildcats and the Rebels in that one on Saturday, too. I think this game will probably learn the most about two teams in, right? I still think there's a little aura of mystery around around both those teams. Obviously, Kentucky went and won in the swamp. I still think we're learning a little bit about how much resistance Florida is going to provide this season. Um, when I look at Kentucky, Reese, I see a team that has the 88th ranked offense in the country. Uh, one spot ahead of Auburn, two spots ahead of Vanderbilt. So, mm-hmm. again, some of that is obviously Rodriguez being out. Um you just wonder if you can survive that that gauntlet of the SEC. And again, I don't think they're in the same talent class as Georgia, but I don't see any other games on their schedule that I just automatically register as a loss, right? Yeah. But you have to play better offense than that. And you would think with Will Levis, with some of the really good young skill that they've flashed, that they would be able to, Rich King Gorilla would be able to have that offense functioning at a little bit higher level. So again, yeah. maybe there's a burst in the run game. Maybe they, maybe they start to get, get going a little bit, but that's the one thing I want to see from that game is, especially because look, Ole Miss is going to run some tempo. You're going to have a lot of possessions. Can you find a little bit of an identity on, on offense and uh, have Will Levis push the ball down the field some and balance that with a good run attack? I, about, uh, you know, Scangarello, uh, I read a great story this week. It's on ESPN.com right now that he was watching the LSU Kentucky game last year and saw Will Levis and said, Hey, who's that? I need to make sure I have him on my scouting list for, for next year. And now all of a sudden he's, uh, he's running the offense for him and scouts see a Josh Allen and he's going to have to have a, a Josh Allen like performance, I think for Kentucky to win at the level that they would like to win the rest of the year, given their offensive problems. You threw some stats out. Let me throw a few that I've put in my notes for this week for Kentucky. 125th in the nation out of 131, under two and a half yards per rush. Only three rushing touchdowns. 53% in the red zone. That's 102nd. -hmm. They allow sacks nearly 14% of the time. That's fourth worst in the country. They've given up 16 sacks. No, I'm sorry. The previous one was fifth worst. This one is fourth worst in the country, 16 sacks. But because of Levis's big arm, they are top 10 in the country in yards per attempt. So when he gets it off, they're making some plays downfield. Obviously, there's got to be some concern there just for the uh, for, for the offensive line. And, you know, as you start facing the Jalen Carters of the world down the line, you're, you're going to start up. You're going to start running, and in Will Levis, there are some archetype comparisons to Josh Allen, but he is not the athlete. Josh Allen's an athlete. He's like, a whoo. dude, man. <laughs> yes, yeah. And Will and, Levis, and so's Levis, but yeah, Allen not, is like yeah, ultra yeah. next they're, level. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 a little bit different in that sense. I still, my first impression of Will Levis was when he came in in Columbus a couple of years ago. Do you remember that game? Um, yeah, at Ohio there. State. Yeah. 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 And like, I literally remember looking in my, uh, looking in my, like at the roster in the two deep and like looking at his number and going to his name and be like, I have never heard of this guy. Like, like usually you end up from recruiting, you have some sort of sense. And I was like, I don't know. And he had them running scared for like a quarter mm-hmm. in a lot of it with his legs. Like they weren't ready for the QB run stuff. So uh, yeah, that'll be, a, that'll be a fun one in the Grove. I think there'll be a, a, a gentle tear or two on our set if it's dry and like uh, sundressy maybe there and, <laughs> and we're bringing our own ponchos, like, like bright orange, <laughs> that, purple ponchos. You're, you're, you're obsessed. You're obsessed with the poncho. I'm telling you, man, look, you, you are getting so, first of all, you are, as Pat McAfee said, you are the authority That's your new name. You're the authority. But you you are going, and people watching on YouTube watch this, just like that, straight up in terms of television presence, performance, 
And I just don't want to see a major setback <laughs> by you wearing a poncho. I, that's I'm trying to help. Trish here, won't man. let me. Trish uh, won't have it. Yeah, she's no, not she going to have it. She won't let me. It's funny. I have plenty of like winter coats for suits because I live in Boston, but I don't know if I have a proper raincoat. Um, you know, in like in that sense. Also, I don't know if we're going to be like covered or not. And I haven't wanted to bother anyone because logistics people have a lot more things to worry about this right. week yeah. trying to get a show gun in a hurricane. I, I can tell you, we're not we're I not going wear. to just. Speaking historically, Pete, all, yeah. all joking aside, and I'd rather just sit around and joke about it, but we're not going to put you out in the rain for the sake of putting you out in the rain. Okay. You well, know, so, nice. you know, I, appreciate so, that. I mean, now, now there may be, there may be somebody there helping with an umbrella or some such thing, but yeah. it's, uh, how warm uh, is it going to be? It's going to be, it looks like it's going to be in the sixties. Sixties. Okay. Yeah. So all it's right. not, it's, it's not, it's not going to be terribly pleasant, but yeah. you know, Sometimes the weather is a story. We went to when PJ Fleck was at um, Western Michigan. Oh, yeah. We, we went to Kalamazoo, you know, that great team that he had the year before he went to Minnesota. And I mean, dude, it was snowing sideways, right? So we put uh, Gene Mojahowski out on the demo field to lead to his piece. <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't even remember what the piece was, but the snow is blowing sideways. And it cakes up on Gene's glasses. And as he's talking, he just has like a snowball on one of his glasses. It looked like Frosty the Snowman uh, out there. So, I'm, I'm so, sure so it can give you a moment. The yeah. weather can give you a moment. Yeah, I'm sure Gene took that in good humor and did not have any sarcastic rebuttals <laughs> to his assignment. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, um, uh, first, a couple of guys. I mean, look, you want Zach Evans to be able mm -hmm. to play in that Kentucky Ole Miss uh, game. But what about the revelation that Quinshawn Judkins is? I mean, he, he's uh -huh. he's like second in the country in broken tackles or something mm -hmm. like that. And he's, he's actually their leading rusher, but Evans has been dynamic too. And then if Rodriguez comes back, that could be an old school entertaining game with uh, a lot of emphasis on – um, you know, on the ground game for sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so let's do a quick before Bronco joins us here, nickel analysis of uh, the game and the weather that we're going to have, and we'll get Broncos thoughts. But do you feel like this is NC State's moment, Reese? I do not. But what do I know about the ACC? I mean, last week, I mean, we've already, I've already done my <laughs> mea culpa with, uh, you know, dumb loses more than smart wins and the dumb take that Wake Forest was going to get run over. You know, so I, I don't, I think they're really good, Pete. I do. But to ask them to come in and, and win that game when, man, I'm going to tell you, their stats on everything. And I'm not trying to be stats nerd here. But their offensive efficiency is among the worst in the country, which is somewhat surprising with the veteran quarterback that they have. Now, their defense has been awesome. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it's top 10 in efficiency. But, you know, it's a, it's a lot to ask. There's not a lot of evidence so far up to this point to think that it's their moment. But if they could do it, I mean, it could be one that Volson, they, they've had a really, this is like, this is in many ways like Wake Forest. Dave Clawson has been saying good to great. This mm -hmm. is where NC State has the opportunity to go good to get good to great. And mm -hmm. if they do that, maybe, you know, maybe it's Devin Leary's moment. And when he does it, best in the game is brought to you by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
and maybe many people will be talking about Devin Leary in the same way that they're talking about Will Levis and some of the other elite quarterbacks if he can go into Clemson on Saturday night and win and a guy who knows plenty about bringing in elite quarterbacks in the game and also finding ways to stop them is former BYU and former Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall. Love the backdrop, Excellent. Bronco. That is awesome. That, yeah. that, is, that is my place in Virginia. Oh. And that, so that was 12 minutes from the football office. And Ooh. there were times where I could just kind of sneak out and my boys would have the horses saddled and we'd rope a few steers and I would just sneak back and no one new other than a little dust residue coming in to the football <laughs> office. You could, you could see just a little trace of arena dirt leading to my office. So what? going back to the office and those quick little trips to rope steer, <laughs> what's, the, what's the biggest misadventure you ever had roping a steer and then you had to get back to football practice or meetings or whatever? Yeah, so, so there's... Uh, so the steers enter the chutes, right? And the chutes are where they come out of, and the healer is on the right side and the header is on the left side. But the, what's called the lead-ups are, are the kind of this funnel that brings the steers into the chute. Well, these lead-ups, the design was a little bit flawed. And when steers lay down, their back hips kind of open like this. Well, sometimes they'd be waiting or another one would get on the back of one and kind of push it down and their hips would open. And then they would be underneath the lead up. And so they couldn't stand up. And so I had a meeting that I, yeah, so the boys had them saddled. I had maybe 30 minutes, right, to get home, rope a few steers, and then get back. I mean, it was just like speed, slide in, hop on <laughs> rope. And, and a, steer go, <laughs> a steer goes down, and it's, it's at the front of the chute, right? <laughs> so no others can, we, we can't function. Uh... And so we raced to get the tractor and I put the forks under the lead up. I'm lifting the lead up. The steer is in the air, right? It's it stuck to the lead up. The legs are, <laughs> and my kids, oh, it, it, they were just laughing. And by the time we got all of that done, we got back in the truck and raced back to the office with no roping done whatsoever. <laughs> and it, was just, <laughs> it was just like, you know, so besides that, I love to do it. Uh, the reason I love to do it is with who, right? And so I had a chance with my kids and like, cause coaching hours are late. So we went online. I didn't have, I didn't have lights on my arena. And so we went online and we, we went to kind of like to coalminersupply.com <laughs> and we we're looking for headlamps, right? That would shine the brightest <laughs> and the farthest. <laughs> so it's pitch black and the boys have the horses saddled out there and we're out there with these coal miner lanterns on <laughs> roping steers just so we can squeeze a little time together in with, you know, what it requires to be a, a college football coach. All of <laughs> our guests try to name drop coal miners, uh, supply.com <laughs> to try to get them some more traffic bronco. We see right through your They're going to be a new, a new sponsor. <laughs> Of the podcast. <laughs> by, by the way, I, I just made up that name. So it was okay. something the farthest, the farthest, the farthest shooting headlamps.com or coal miners or laser.com. Exactly. I just said the boys find whatever it is we can put on our heads that shoot the farthest. And this package comes and they weigh a lot too. And so, man, you kind of have to, you need a strong neck to hold those suckers up while you're going down the arena. Would it shock you to know? And I hope I get the terminology right because it's been a really long time. <laughs> Would it shock you to know that I have, I think it's called shoot gating. Shoot dogging. Down shoot what? Shoot dogging. Shoot dogging. That I've shoot dogged and, and wrestled a steer to the ground. So here, here's the thing. You know, I, I always kind of liked you before and I wasn't sure why. But now, <laughs> now I, can pull, I can pull that thread now and that's totally it. I I, I knew there was something, but there, there it is. I, I The mystery has been solved. It's like, <laughs> You, you were already one of my like favorite, whatever you call it, <laughs> sports personalities. That's cemented. You're cemented as number one with, there's no one that even could be a distant second. Shoot dogging is like the highest level of dogging. It's uh, it, no, it was a, uh, I won't bore you with the story because there's not much to tell. It was a one hit wonder to be, yeah. to be fair. When I was working in local news, I did this weekly series called Working for a Living, and I would go out and try people's jobs. And so I went to this place, to this rodeo once, and, and did the shoot dogging. And I tell you, it's a, for a guy like me who didn't grow up doing that, even though I, I grew up in the South, that's a little daunting when they're about to open that thing up. And, you know, and you know you've got to try to get that thing down. But it was kind of fun. So this son uh, right here, 
So he he uh, he shoot dogged, and so off to this side of the arena is about 250 feet long, and he shoot dogged one, and it took him all the way to the farthest fence um, <laughs> before he finally got it done. He was drug and flipped, and he would not let go. Uh, and I forget that I might have bet him a diet coke or a drink or something on it, and he he would not let go, and he it was. But though it, you know what's crazy is so, so there we are in Charlottesville, and I'm. I'm coaching football, but what I remember most is all those kind of things. You know, a half hour skidding in and getting a steer stuck or, um, you know, those moments along the way while you're doing your job are, are the most memorable. And this pause that I've taken is, is kind of like being dead and see what they say at your funeral, you know, <laughs> be, be, and you're, you're still alive. And so all these texts and messages are coming in. Number one, it's important to see who they're coming from. Right. And, and so much of my life was transactional. Just, you know, people that are dealing with the head coach because you're the head coach. And then it started to move to wait. There's some some true friends that were made along the way. But the overwhelming disproportionate volume of messages were from the players, former players. Right. Um, their wives now, coaches, you know, those that you're really intimate with. And I was telling Pete that not, and this I, I would have never known. Um, but I, as of this pause, I was kind of gauging impact and just trying to sort out, am I really making a difference here? You know, is college football making a difference? And not a single over hundreds. I wish I, I should probably go back and count like how many it is to be true on the sample size, but hundreds and hundreds. Not a single player or text has mentioned a game. Not a single player has mentioned a score. Not a single player has mentioned a season. They've mentioned like these things you and I just talked about, things that happened at practice. You know, like, hey, coach, you remember when, you know, it was a rainy day and you came out and you slipped coming off the stairs and your notebook went flying. And, you know, <laughs> like there, there's like of an entire career he would spend at a place, uh, you know, a player mentioned something like that. Right. And so like these moments along the way, wow, are they underestimated in terms of impact? And so the singular most important thing, I think, in the job is to get results. However, how you get results, what I've learned, and the greatest gift I've been given in this pause is, is that the impact is happening while you're doing your job, but it's just been cemented to me how much those experiential, kind of not just what you do, but how you do it, right? The how you do it. My family, they remember the stories like that at Virginia. They, I don't think they could tell you my record. I don't even know what my record was at Virginia. <laughs> so it snowed once there, and you can see there's a little yellow building up there, and there's a, mm -hmm. there's a hill. Well, they got on boogie boards because I love to surf and stuff and there was snow and they got on there and there's a, there's a pond or a lake about three acres down below that. And they were riding their boogie boards from that yellow house on their stomach in the snow in Virginia, all the way down there and into the pond. I, I think, don't know what, how we got talking about that, but that's, yeah. There, that's the beauty of podcasts. Yeah. We've, we've covered TV, a lot they'd of be yelling, rap, yeah. go to something else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If Sarah, our producer, had predicted we'd be talking about coal mining helmets, sled dogging, which I'm not even quite sure what it is still, and, uh, you know, some, some different stuff, which is the beauty of podcasts and why we're that so would, grateful you, uh, you came on, Bronco. So uh, that would be one of those great improv. Like if we went to improv theater and they gave us sled dogging um, and coal mining helmets and just said, no, <laughs> we, I think we just did a pretty good job. ESPN Podcasts and Omaha Productions have been hard at work on a ton of NFL content. Your options for listening include the Dominique Foxworth Show, the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, Kyle Brandt's Basement, Fantasy Focus Football, the Adam Schefter Podcast, and the Bill Barnwell Show. I know that's a lot. There's nothing wrong with having options. You can follow all of those shows wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's a good transition, Bronco, on your uh, Head Coach U podcast, which you started in the last couple in the last couple weeks. You you sort of made the big reveal. Uh, I think it was two three weeks ago that you were you are back in the market. You want to get back into coaching. And from our conversation the other night on the phone, a lot of it has to do, I, I think, from what you expressed to me, with those connections that you've made. It's not to to make uh, X bowl game or you know win X division or league. It's it's a little bit more about that. So w walk us through if you don't mind, sort of. 
your exit from Virginia and then the ensuing months, what you've done and discovered and, and why you'd like to uh, come back into this crazy carnival we call college football. So I've been a head coach for 17 years yeah. and a coach overall for 32. I'm still young. I'm 56, but 32 years is a long time. And I'm not looking for any sympathy. I haven't had a non-fall engaged with football since kindergarten, right? As a player or coach. And, and I didn't even know like life still happened regularly. Like it, like stores are open, right? There's, there's people, they like life is going on. And, and it's been interesting during this fall is a lot of times college football is just a TV show for a lot of people, right? They, they tune in and tune out. And then next week there's another game and another team. And, and so the contrast is amazing. And that perspective has really helped. But I, I go back to Virginia. I, I, was a head, I was the head coach at BYU for 11 years, which is forever in coaching, right? To be at one place. That, that's pretty atypical. Virginia for six, which is still kind of on the atypical, maybe small letter A to start it. Um, but that's still a long tenure. But the collective of that, um, but I thought I needed to learn more. I thought I needed to renew. I thought I needed to refocus. I, I needed to reframe with this idea that the summit was still there, right? And the intent was still to climb. Um, and it would be past like the halfway part on the mountain. I, Pete, I think I described it to you. It's like a, a third quarter TV timeout back to back. Like that's kind of where I see my, see where I am, right? It's not a single timeout. I mean, it's a great sponsor. So it's a long timeout. <laughs> it's kind of like a back to back extended TV timeout, middle of the third, knowing that the real action and the real defining moments are still to come. And yeah, I needed not just one timeout, but yeah, tag another one on just so, just so I can brace for what's really going to happen. And then this framing, this pause before I even get back to the sequencing. Um, man, I've learned what truly has been impactful and what's impactful to the players and what's lasting. And so when I do relaunch, I hope I'm smarter. I hope I'm more intentional. I hope I'm just better, right? In every way in helping young people grow and develop while, while, while delivering exceptional football, right? It has to be both. It can't just be one. I, I, I listened to a great study one time and it talked about the medical profession and how sometimes um, physicians over time are passed by uh, um, those that are just on the front end of their career and the energy and enthusiasm, but also the passion to learn was stronger at the beginning than somewhere in the middle. And I'm not saying that's wavering, but that stuck with me and just like, wait, what else do I need to know that I don't know um, that I could learn that would benefit and help everyone of the next program that I lead. And so going back to sequencing, uh, there was a series against our rival, Virginia Tech, we have four downs to win the game. Again, the, the coastal, the coastal division uh, wasn't quite at stake because Pitt beat us. We gave up a few third downs. We were about seven plays away from winning the coastal championship last. Anyway, we have four downs at home against Virginia Tech, and, and we don't score. And I, and as I'm in the locker room after the game, I was thinking of where and what and how uh, can I improve uh, in every possible way in my life. And sometimes doing it full speed isn't the most intentional way to improve. And so this thought came of, you need space and time. Um, and within a couple of days, I shared that with my athletic director. Holly isn't even in Virginia at the time. She's in Montana. So she's hearing this by the phone. And she's just like, there's no words. It's just like heavy breathing and like, whoa, <laughs> you know, what, what's happening? Um, I made my decision. And I'm at, I'm at peace with it. And wow, has it been transformational? It just so happens that timed up with Holly and I being empty nesters for the first time. And wow, if I had to become more interesting because it's just she and I, <laughs> I mean, uh, but I did make a promise to her early on that at some point we'd have a house in Montana. And I'm talking to you from that house. Just we're in, we're, we've been in four or five days building a ranch that's 15 minutes away. And for our posterity and for our family, our infrastructure will basically be turnkey in November and I'll be ready and my family will be ready to have a place to come to. Rocco, it's a fascinating decision and fascinating insight that you've had. If I were sitting in an athletic director's chair of one yeah. of these open jobs yeah. and Bronco Mendenhall's name came across my desk and then I called you up to talk to you about the job. Yeah. The first question I would ask you is not necessarily why you left, yeah. but why won't you feel that way again in two years? Yeah. What, how yeah. can you assure me 
that you won't need time to recharge again after a very short period of time? I think it's a fair question. Holly and I, we we knew the question was coming, not not only from you, right? From everyone, right? As to you have to mitigate the risk, right? And assure. And I think the easy answer is if you look, so so I think the best predictor of future performance is past performance when it replicates. So that's 32 years of I think really strong performance, and then nine months. And I would view the nine months as the outlier, not the 32 years as the outlier. Um However, your question is fair, and I would argue there's not a more prepared and focused and rested head coach on planet Earth at Power Five than I am right now, um, and prepared. And so all that's been all that's happened is solidifying my true intent, which is delivering, I think, really, really strong results, especially in rebuilding programs. As BYU was struggling when I inherited that program and we won for a long time, UVA. That was a struggling program when we started. And then, man, five, five bowl eligible seasons in six years hadn't been done in like 22 years. That's going to happen again where, wherever I get to coach. And it will happen for a long time um, simply because the clarity, uh, because of the pause. I love developing young people. I don't think there's a more impactful way to do it. And, uh, man, I'm young. Crap, I'm only 56. That's kind of just getting warmed up. But the, the chance that it's less than the 10 years that I've already had, I've left both on my own terms and with improved programs and success, the chance that that, that doesn't happen again, I view as, and so I, I, think, I think an athletic director is getting a better version of me now um, than ever before with um, the singular purpose to summit, right? And the summit is, man... Again, we're we're not at the halfway camp going up Everest. I, I'm call, I've been calling it the assault camp, where you you can see the summit, and and now like the pack is full, power bars are all in there, you sleep all the stuff that you need, right? And you look around at your team, and like my wife, yeah, we're yeah, you can see that look. Okay, let's let's go. We're gonna make it, right? And so it's just reaffirmed what we had already been doing. But somehow, like in our oxygen tanks, if you even need, if you go with oxygen, right there, there's like rocket fuel in, in there now. And so it's, um, I guess that's the best assurance that I could give you. Um, and I think most folks that know me, there's a lot of, I just believe in authenticity and transparency. What level of program mm. does it have to be? Does yeah. it have to be power five? Does it have to be a power five with winning history? Yeah. Would you be more comfortable at a place that, that obviously, uh, there's going to be some rebuilding or the job wouldn't be open uh, for, for <laughs> exactly. the most part, but for the most part, but what level of program would it take to bring you back? Man, I, I've loved, man, you're, you're asking all the questions I've asked myself and Holly and I've talked about uh, the level to me, isn't as important as the purpose and the alignment. Right. And, 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 and I, I think the alignment and purpose is exclusion or uh, excludes level and, and uh, includes leadership and purpose. Right. And so, uh, any program that wants strong, 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 I would call exceptional results on the field, right? They have to want that. That, that's, that has to happen because that helps the young people become, right? And be supported. But they better love the comprehensive development of young people and be really committed to that also. So just like what I want, exceptional results with great development of young people, I want both of those. And if someone wants just kind of the mercenary coach football only at all costs and whatever they have to do along the way, uh, that's not for me. But if they want young people treated really well, who do exceptional in school, who give back to the community, who are actually looking to add value to the place that they are and are aligned with that place while they're winning games. Yeah, the level isn't as important um, as the alignment. And so I would say the people and the purpose, Reese, over the level. Um, no level is excluded, power five on down. And, but I, I will say, and it, it, it it's probably hasn't gone. When I resigned, there was a lot of money left on the table, right? I walked away from a lucrative contract. Um, money has never been first and foremost to me, the purpose, the intent, and the alignment, right? And that has to be great results, but it also has to be, wait, let's help. I mean, these kids have to become something exceptional. Otherwise, it's just a game. And I'm not okay with it just being just a game. 
Let me ask you this about uh, when we talked the other night, Bronco, we sort of just lamented how crazy this world has gotten right in just college athletics and how much it's probably one of the things that has arisen is that you are uniquely positioned for sitting out right now is that schools that have opened and there's three jobs open right now, hiring someone who's sitting out in early November has become a competitive advantage, a distinct competitive advantage. And uh, so, again, I'm not going to ask you to, like, break down the jobs that are open, but like that, you know, you could your 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 Montana break in your uh, what what is it? I have it written down here. Calf roping or no, I'm sorry. Team team roping, roping. team roping roping and your fly fishing could get short, cut short a little bit here (laughs) because you could be you could be rolling into a practice uh, somewhere in in mid-November and start working the portal. But I'm just wondering if if those Mm. dynamics sitting out gives you a bit of an advantage. And have you thought about maybe, you know, like the opportunity coming in the next four weeks? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so I don't lack, there, there are those that believe, right. That um, it's, it's a negative if, if a person or a coach has recreational hobbies that they're passionate about because they're supposed to be all football all the time. Yeah. I, I, I exactly opposite of that. Um, I think the happiest and best people that I know are when their job is over, they race to go something they can't wait to do. And mm-hmm. I have all kinds of those things. And so every cast with my fly rod, that battery is going all the way to green and then starts blinking green, right? It's just not, it's just not like solid green. It's blinking like it, like if it keeps plugged in anymore, it's going to freaking blow up, right? Every time I rope a steer, who's going to benefit is the program and the players I'm working with is who's going to benefit and my wife and kids, right? So this idea that life is singular in purpose only by, and you're defined by your job. Wow. Do I think that's a flawed construct. And so anyway, by the way, as I'm thinking about it, I'm seeing Pete, I'm seeing you as the header and Reese is the healer. And, and uh, when you guys come to visit in Montana and we're roping steers, I, I see a, I see a roping team together there that could be all time. I do. I can barely um, but, tie my shoes, Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to your question though, like it, let, let's face it, it's a race, right? College football, the competitive world of athletics is a race. And if someone is starting on recruiting and on program design and on cultural development. It took me an entire year at Virginia even to know what it was, right? Just before we could even design a program that would truly fit there, right? And work there. If that work can be happening now, prior to a recruiting class and prior to a spring, right? We're starting at different starting lines with other programs that are hiring at the end. And that, that's not to, to self-promote or say, yeah, I'm the best candidate because I'm available. There's only so much time. And in the world of college athletics, every second is used. And so that certainly doesn't mean to rush to the decision. But if there's great alignment with an exceptional candidate that fits a place um, with almost guaranteed results, man, I would look hard at that um, simply because you're starting faster. You know, in, in the in the world of track and field, it looks like someone's starting ahead on the stagger, right? right? If they're running the 200, the 400, this would be like that, except it's not even. Like, this is actually truly a stagger where someone's starting earlier than someone else. And based on the deficits of the programs, which they wouldn't be hiring without being in a deficit, you need as much head start as you can get um, without compromising the right year, right? And so I think that's the advantage. And the downside is for those kids on the teams that are having coaching changes middle of the season. It, that's awful. It's just so hard. And I feel and my heart breaks for those, the coaches that are on those staffs, right? Holding it together. Those kids that are playing their hearts out, trying to salvage and, and become and the uncertainty of what's coming for them. Um, and so uh, I, I think that has to be acknowledged as well because um, man, change comes with a cost right? It, it comes with a cost, not only financial cost, I'm not saying that the longer cost and the more impactful cost is, is the impact on, on the young people. And man, you, you certainly better hope that whoever is replaced is replaced with someone that delivers at a higher level. So those kids can benefit and have an experience beyond what they were having. It's been a long time now, but Clemson had that situation. Dabble Sweeney, stepped in there and has built one of the great programs really in this generation, if not the whole history of the sport. Dave Doran has won consistently for an extended period of time at North Carolina State too. 
you're very familiar with both programs from all the years that you spent um, at Virginia Bronco. When you look at this game Saturday night, when you consider the potential impact of the weather, how how do you see how do you see that one? Which where does this game turn? You know what what I love, um, and there's no chance I predict outcome, right? There, but but what I will do is is just reflect for a second on your comment. Um, you're talking about longevity and identity and distinction, right? I think you compete on differentiation, and so Dabo and Clemson they they've built a very unique culture for a very specific place. Uh, in a very unique state with a, a, a really um, well-defined fan base. And all those things align really well. And you can say what came first. That can be argued, right? Um, uh, almost if, the build, if you build it, they will come. But there are places that remain passionate about football, even though their team currently isn't successful, right? Um, and so Dabo has done a super job of differentiation, right? The style of play and the values and the culture to fit a specific place. And I would say Dave has done very similarly. Uh, and these are authentic to the leader, right? So Dave, who he is at that particular place, those programs are not the same, right? They're not mirrored images and they're not the same style, nor do they play the same brand of football, but they do play specific and uniquely aligned to the leader, the place and the institution, right? And to the identities. And that to me is the coolest part of college football over the NFL, which the franchises that seems to be more similar than different. I, I love the distinction and, and you'll go, I, I don't know, I, your, your jobs must be fascinating because you can go to West Point and cover a game and what other place on planet earth that plays football, right? Would be that experience, right? Or then you're at Appalach Appalachian State, right? And you're seeing, oh, that's, and then now you get this game to me, the beauty of the sport um, comes from the differentiation and the leaders that see that, right? Whichever job that um, I'm lucky enough to be given and to be worthy of that hire, my first task is what is this place, right? What, what is the story? What is the history? What is, and, and then design a program that aligns and delivers football in relation to that. And that to me, in, in, as you just mentioned that game, yeah, I think those are two good examples and they're playing really well. And when you get great results, that's aligned well too. Yeah, watch out. And I think it's going to be a great game. The, what Clemson, put in perspective, because you lived much of it, uh, what Clemson has done there in terms of, you know, setting a standard in the ACC and for doing it as long as they have with different stars, you know, they've altered styles. They haven't wholesale changed anything. And uh I, I wonder what it was like to be in a league chasing them, right? Like yeah. Dave Clausen said to me after the Liberty game the other day, like they're the measuring stick. They're, they're the standard. What, how did that sort of grow and shape your program at Virginia Bronco chasing, chasing Clemson and, and trying to you know build a better mousetrap than they have? Yeah. It, it's so powerful to have um, a barometer. And so to have a best in class, right. Or an industry standard um, that you can look to, on any given week and or on film. And I, I would simply call the athletic director and say, Hey, do you have five minutes? <laughs> and then just look at personnel. Right. And say, okay, this is us, this is them. And so then to close that gap, it was what players, not a team, what players could add disproportionate value. So what if we had B players, B as in boy, but our quarterback was a plus. Right. And that quarterback versus Clemson's quarterback, that was maybe that's a wash. You're closer already. What if you have two corners, right, that match their corners, right? And so it's not an entire team, but you start with disproportionate value of positions in your scheme. And then the culture of the others, it's amazing what the culture of the others collectively can do. What Clemson did a nice job of is wow, did their administration um, support football, right? Is football important and valuable there? That answer is yes, more important and more valuable probably demonstrably but than any other ACC team if you went on dollars spent, right? If you say, what, what's the measuring stick? Probably first, and you'll have to research that, but that'd be my guess. Then if you say, okay, what, what is going to bring amazing players? Um, yeah, quite frankly, selection and assessment, there has to be an attraction component as well. And Wake Forest has done a really nice job. If you see their facilities, um, folks might think Wake Forest, and that's an academic school, and Dave is an exceptional coach. 
they have very good facilities, right? Yes. So there's an attraction to a, a good leader, right? A very good program, but also a commitment. And when you see commitment with the right leadership, um, some pretty magical things can happen. And so if Clemson, all you had to do as you assessed your program, financial commitment, check, facilities, check, uh, leadership and coaching abilities, check, right? Um, roster management and, and the selection and assessment and the recruiting processes, check, 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 check. You just go to look for where, where are the weaknesses. And in building a program like Virginia, the key is then prioritizing, right? Because you can't hit them all at the same time, but then trying to sequentially hit the things that are most important first for sustainable results, but also um, immediate progress that allows you to stay long enough for sustainable results, right? And if you get the priority backwards, you don't get to keep going. And so Dave over time has done that at Wake Forest. Dave Dorn has done the same thing at uh, NC State. Um, and that's, that is enough immediacy and return to get the consistency and longevity to continue on. And there's the friction point, right? For all of us, where the transfer portal, as you mentioned, um, really wasn't accessible to us at Virginia, but the graduate transfer market was. And wow, does that fit Virginia? Let's have really good players that might've been undervalued elsewhere that want a master's degree and they want to do it at Virginia. That That's great alignment, right? Because you're going to get masters from Virginia and play football at a level, at a place you're needed and wanted. And you're going to be so impactful immediately. You start saying, right, what do we all need to be fulfilled? Yeah, be needed and wanted. And so I, I'm not so concerned off on the transfer portal because if you design your roster correctly and you treat players and people well, they stay. Um, and if you don't, they don't. Um, and I, I know I oversimplified that, but and I'm sure there'll be commentary about what I just said, but that's what I believe. Rocco, it's it's been great talking to you. We uh, we wish you the best of luck in the next uh, adventure. Wish you the best of luck with the with the roping as well, the team roping. And congratulations on the new place in Montana. And I know you don't think that Pete and I are going to take you up on it, but uh, we'll see you this summer in Montana. So, okay, so <laughs> I, I'm so as soon as I sign off here, I'm going to saddle the horses, and I'm just I'm going to break the word to them. Okay, we're going to enjoy time together, but you know, next summer you've got some guests coming, and <laughs> and they're I'm just going to start preparing them now, just so they're ready. <laughs> Make sure there's a hospital nearby. I'm being <laughs> coming to Bronco. Great talking to you. Good luck, my friend. Thank you both. See you later. Thanks, Bronco. Right, we'll see you. Okay. Appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> the Bronco Mendenhall, sort of a renaissance man as it pertains to, to football coaches for sure. No secret about the fact that he wants another job. Mm -hmm. And I don't think for a second that he was just being specific, but there was so much in that. I don't, know what, I don't want to call it campaign pitch, but yeah, I'm going to, but it wasn't, I don't mean that derisively. That sounded like, I want to be the coach at Nebraska. I mean, that's what it sounded like to me. Do you agree? I think this, Reese, like there's three open jobs. One has terrible alignment at Arizona State, quite frankly, and we're not sure what's going to happen with Ray Anderson, the AD there. And Michael Crow, the president there, was like Larry Scott's long champion. He's 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 muddied the water in athletics and kept the kept the sleeping giant asleep. He's been the uh, what's that they, on Thanksgiving the trip opening that you have with yeah the turkey. yeah he's been, tryptamine I think tryptamine anyway. he's been the yeah he's been yeah. the sleeping giant's tryptamine he is yeah. Michael Crow has kept it napping and so if you if if he's genuine about alignment which I think he is especially when you when you when you hear how philosophical he is and how thoughtful he is about organizational structure he gave me a great quote the other day when talking about uh, why we are where we are in college athletics, he said, organizations are perfectly designed for the results they get. And I thought that is like really simple and profound. Um, mm -hmm. So Arizona State wouldn't fit in that. When Auburn opens, it certainly wouldn't fit in that. And then obviously there's an athletic director search at Georgia Tech that would precede any coaching search. So you don't know if there's alignment there, quite frankly. So if there were to be an open job that he was speaking of, the only one that would fit would be Nebraska. And, and I think, in all honesty, the way he answered the question I asked him is, is going to be one he's going to have to answer anywhere. Oh, yeah. It was a is, great question. You know, why, why should I believe as the AD 
that you're not going to feel the same way in a year or two that you just mm-hmm. felt at Virginia and needed time off. He, he's a young guy. I, I sincerely appreciated the fact that he continued to emphasize that 56 was young, considering that I too am 56. <laughs> so I, I had a, a great appreciation for that. And he's right about that. Uh, all joking aside, particularly as a head coach, there's no one out there necessarily that delivers the same type of program building credentials um, that, that he can bring you. In terms of people out of work, I mean, there obviously, if you go and take another coach, if if they were able to take the Kansas or Kansas State coach, uh, Leipold or, or Climate, you know, either of those guys have national championships on their resumes. Clearly, they can build programs too. But you know, he he's got a pretty strong resume to walk into any of these open jobs or any that may come open in the in the coming weeks and months too. So I think he'll be back in. The question is where and will it be. Um, will it be at the highest level or will it be one of a stepping stone back? That's, that's what remains to be seen. I think. Yeah. I think right now he would be the top out of work coach candidate on the board. He and Tom Herman, and they're probably pretty different fits, right? Very different. and, And they're just, they're two guys who are both very successful, Tom, especially at Houston and they're wired very different. So and both but, very smart, by the yes. way, but, but oh, yeah, Tom, different, yes. different sensibilities, both very intelligent Correct. guys. And I think that the pieces that are open or are inevitably going to open have huge roster deficits right now. Georgia Tech's roster is not good. Nebraska's roster is probably better than it's playing, but it is, it is not good. Arizona State's roster is being well featured at all other schools, <laughs> but you know, the players that the good players they recruited are all playing elsewhere right now. So if you can come in and evaluate what you have identify needs in the portal and then get a halfway decent high school class, you can at least get yourself back to, you know, conversationally competitive. And quite frankly, those places are non-competitive right now in, uh, in a lot of ways. When you look at what Eastern Michigan did to Arizona state, you look at uh, Georgia Southern going to Lincoln and beat Nebraska. And you look at Georgia tech really the last four years. Mm-hmm. Fascinating conversation. Really interesting guy. Appreciate Bronco Mendenhall joining us on the College Game Day podcast. Touched on a couple of games along the way. And that means that we are well set up to miss a bunch of picks. I'm afraid to find out what my record was on the podcast on Friday. But you can join us for the Friday edition. Picks, picks, picks of the College Game Day podcast. Bill Connolly will join us then. Download this one and that one, wherever it is you prefer to get your podcast. We'll see you on Friday.